Hello and welcome to EM Talk. EM Talk is a podcast sponsored by Axon Education and the Texas EMS School, and we are devoted to diving into the real world of EMS and everything relative. We interview real EMS providers, real hospital providers, real patients, and get the real story on what's going on currently in the world of EMS and what we can do to make it better. On this episode of EM Talk, we're talking stroke. What is a stroke? Why is a stroke? Where is a stroke? Who is a stroke? Stroke or CVA is something we see all the time in the field of EMS. We see the beginning stages of a stroke. We see the middle and sometimes we even see the end. We occasionally see stroke's ugly little cousin, TIA. Very rarely in EMS do we get to see the after. What happens after a stroke? We've read and discussed in classes and conversation the statistical possibilities for recovery and failure, but we don't often get to see what it actually looks like. Joining me today is Judd White. You may be thinking, how is it possible to have two people named Judd in the same room on the same podcast talking about the same subject? What might freak you out even more is to know that these two Juds aren't even related, at least not by blood. Today with me is my father-in-law, Judd, and we're so happy to have him on EM Talk. Judd, how are you today? Judd, I'm doing fine, and your audience is just so lucky to have two Juds speaking to them today. Exactly, and I, uh, I used to have a joke that I would say about Judd and myself, and it was, two Juds don't make a right. Or something like that. And I can't even remember the context of it, but uh, we've been teased a lot by the fact that my father-in-law has the same name as me and that my wife chose somebody who uh, had the same name as her father, but maybe she just has good taste. At least I think so. Well, I would agree with that. (laughs) So, uh, Judge, um, I'm going to call you JB throughout the remainder of the podcast uh, just to keep things clear, uh, JB here is a recovering stroke patient. He had a stroke, I think it was almost eight years ago, um, and he's been healing ever since. Today, JB's going to walk us through what it feels like to have a stroke, what the treatment was like, and what the recovery process looks like. He's also going to give us some tips throughout about staying on the path to recovery and how to work to prevent stroke being a part of your past. So, uh, JB, why don't you start from the beginning or maybe even a little before that? Take us back to a few weeks or months before the stroke. What was your life like? First of all, I'd just like to say that I appreciate the opportunity to be here and um, hopefully your audience can uh, get some benefit uh, from some positive things from our conversation today. So I'm honored to be here and hopefully today can help some people. Absolutely. I felt like that uh, before the stroke, uh, and I've spoken to various groups about this, I was not controlling my risk factors for a stroke. And so uh, I was ignoring those risk factors to a certain degree. I was uh, working too much, too many hours. I felt like I was exercising and eating correctly, but in reality I was not. Uh, The main thing is uh, just uh, not watching the risk factors that uh, led to my stroke, and I had a, a, a high blood pressure stroke, which was around the cerebellum. The other issue that uh, was a cause for my stroke was heredity, and wasn't paying attention to that either. So the bottom line, uh, before the stroke, very active, very active in my professional life, my church life, my family life. Bottom line, I was not taking care of myself, wasn't sleeping enough, wasn't eating right wasn't watching my blood pressure like I should, 
and heredity. You, you put all that together and a stroke happened. Well, and, and I remember this time period very well. It was, um, I remember right before uh, you had your stroke, we had gone to the beach. And my oldest son, Josiah, who's now almost eight, was with us and he was six weeks old so he really enjoyed that trip um but uh you were working out very early in the morning every day uh about four thirty or something in the morning at this boot camp thing yes. which was a, a i went with you one time and it's a pretty extreme workout it was um it's a very high intensity type of workout and so you're up before four thirty, probably by four you're at uh, outside working out by 4.30. Um, then you go home, you get ready for work, you go to work, and sometimes you're working till 6 o'clock at night, and then after you know your, your evening time with your family, you're working beyond that point too. Um, and you were, I, I do remember, health conscious at that point. I, I, I would agree with you. I felt like you were watching what you were eating all the time. But what I, what I do realize is that now your your level of, uh, of detail in the things that you eat is is way different. Yes, it's very de- it's very te- detailed at this point because uh, before I felt like I was definitely trying to be health conscious. Now I'm even more so just because of uh, ingredients and salt intake to control blood, watch blood pressure, etc. The the thing I feel like that has helped in my recovery is that I was in such good shape. And so that was a blessing. The other thing is it was my age. I was younger. I was a, a younger stroke patient at age 51. So the fact I was in such good shape helped in my recovery and also my age as well. Well, and that's, uh, and that's something for any listener out there to consider that, um, you know, 51 is not the age you think of when you think of a stroke patient. We usually think, you know, late 60s, early 70s, even beyond when we think of a stroke patient, but it can happen. And here we're talking about a stroke patient who was paying attention to what he was eating, was working out, uh, had a very active lifestyle, and uh, children still, one still at home at that point. Um, I mean, it wasn't like it was just you were sitting around eating donuts and all of a sudden you had a stroke. Right, and Um, and, and I think that uh, the risk factors that I was not paying attention to, the main one being the blood pressure, the second one being heredity, and just not paying as much attention to that as I should have. Right, and you you did already have previous previously existing blood pressure issues. Yes, um, that you were medicated for. Yes, and you're you were advised to stop that medication. Yes, it was a combined effort. Uh, that it was an agreed uh, process that my doctor and I were uh, watching and evaluating, and so it uh, it. it it happened. The stroke happened. <laughs> <laughs> it did, and and that's that's what it comes down to is you know um, there the risk factors were there. The stroke happened, and tell me about that experience. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like uh, if you've never been there, done that, it's really kind of hard to understand. So try to help us understand what a what a stroke really is like. What does it feel like? I had a cerebellar stroke, as I've mentioned before, which is a high blood pressure stroke. The, uh, the symptoms I had, I woke up in the middle of the night, sweating, dizzy, nauseated, and uh, through uh, some, a few minutes, my wife and I were talking, and I felt, she felt like, and I felt, agreed with her that they needed, uh, she needed to call ambulance, EMTs, uh, 
they uh, they were called. I was physically ill, uh, difficult to walk. But uh, when the firefighters EMT showed up, they gave me great care, proper care. But the symptoms I was display, displaying at that time were difficult for them to determine what my situation really was. And so uh, I was transported to the hospital by ambulance. I remember you know, the discussion in the ambulance. I know they gave me some medicine on my ride there. But the, the main thing that I was feeling is waking up and just feeling very ill, dizzy, sweating. And those were the first symptoms that I felt until I got to the emergency room. When I, received, when I was in the emergency room, I started to feel worse. And I can remember uh, in being in, uh, feeling weak, feeling disoriented, and then passing out. And so you did, you did lose consciousness when you were in the emergency room? I did. The, the next thing I remember was waking up in a hospital room with um, a physical uh, rehab specialist asking me if I wanted to go to rehab. What I didn't know is the time that I passed out in the emergency room to the time that I woke up was about a week to a week and a half. And I don't, my wife and family and friends say I was conscious and awake and talking with them and yeah, communicating. You, you talked to me during that time period. I do not remember any of that. Wow. None of it. I didn't know that. What I do remember is the uh, rehab specialist from uh, the rehab hospital uh, close by asking me if I wanted to go to rehab. And I remember saying yes, that I do. I also remember that there was these uh, motorized uh, uh, devices on my feet that were moving my legs so I would not develop blood clots. I found yeah. out later, not blood clots. And I always wondered what those <laughs> things were on my leg. But what I didn't know is that the rehab specialist had been coming every day to ask me if I wanted to go to rehab. And I had not been able to tell her where she felt like I knew what I was doing until that day I woke up. The I thank her every time I see her for not giving up on me and continuing to come by every day to ask me. So um, it, it's not uncommon, I understand now, for a uh, cerebral stroke patient to um, basically be um, conscious but uh, in, a, in a stupor state of mind. Yeah, and that's, that's the part of it that, um, that we don't experience, that we don't see anything of. In the in the EMS room, and and I mean, you're hearing me say I didn't even realize that you didn't remember any of that week. No, because uh, I remember visiting you in ICU. I I remember nothing. Wow, and, and that's weird for me, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I just remember waking up in a a rehab specialist, a nurse asking me if I wanted to go to rehab. Well, and uh, usually that time period where, where stroke patients are, are in that stupor, which is, is, like you said, it is common, it does happen, mm -hmm. is much shorter than that. It's usually like hours or days as mm -hmm. opposed to a week-long timeline. Mm -hmm. So I could imagine that would feel strange to not remember an entire week of your life um, and to wake up in that setting because the ICU rooms are... are pretty unsettling as far as the type of equipment that's around and the, the see-through sliding doors yeah, and things I, I, like that. I couldn't so. figure out what was on my feet, my legs, <laughs> making my legs move, but I found out later that was for blood clots. Well, and so were you immediately diagnosed as having a stroke when you went into the hospital? 
Well, my wife uh, tells me I was not, uh, and I was out, so I don't remember or don't know. But during that week, and I know that my situation was very difficult to diagnose just because I didn't fit the prototype of a normal stroke patient my age, I'm not overweight, don't smoke, don't drink. And, but it just took them a while, the medical professionals, to identify exactly what happened. I think it was after that uh, there was a, a CAT scan done that they were able to see that I did have a very major cerebral or stroke. And once that was determined, then that set the course for the treatment that, that I needed to receive. Now, in a stroke, as you know, with stroke patients, sometimes they allow the blood pressure to be higher than normal so they can replenish the blood vessels that have been damaged in the brain. And so they allow my blood pressure to to be higher than normal. But once that they let that happen for a while, then they started to regulate my blood pressure. That also set off on, you know, trying to find out why, et cetera. So all of those tests were done while I was basically out. They did tests on my heart to see if there was any blockages. Finally, all those tests came back to show I had a cerebellar stroke. So, um, for those of you that are new to, to the stroke discussion, um, uh, JB here is, is telling you about a very specific category of another type of category of strokes. So with stroke, you have either a hemorrhagic stroke, which is um, where there is bleeding in the brain. The, the, uh, something bursts and it causes bleeding in the brain. It's very, very serious version of a stroke. Obviously, stroke is always serious, but it is it is a much harder stroke to uh, to recover from. Much quicker to diagnose, though. Um, and then there's a non-hemorrhagic stroke. There's uh, a clotting stroke, which is is what was experienced here. It's where the blood supply is cut off from a specific part of the brain for an extended period of time, causing usually very permanent damage. Um, now, that's what makes uh, JB or Jeb White's story here um, very, very uh, interesting and, uh, and spectacular is because the, the way he's been able to recover from that, because there was, there still are residual effects, I would imagine. I'm sure you still feel the effects, but the difference between you several weeks after the stroke and you right now, it, I mean, it's like night and day. Um, so you, you woke up, they've already determined that you had a stroke. They know where the stroke occurred. Um, where do they send you from there? I mean, the rehab person wants you to go to rehab. Is that where you go next? Yes, Judd, that is, that is correct. I remember getting, uh, being loaded onto a van. Of course I couldn't walk. So they put me in a wheelchair and they took me to the rehab hospital and they checked me in and at the rehab, rehab hospital, which is amazing. They start making you stronger, trying to work on the deficits that uh, were there due to the stroke. And so my my issues were, I had to learn how to walk again. Cognitively, there was uh, no bleed. Good. So the main thing, uh, I was still just a little slow, a little groggy, not thinking quick. So uh, my body had to have time to heal, but as while it was healing, I had to strengthen the muscle groups that were damaged, the nerves that were damaged in the stroke. And the doctors and specialists and neurologists all told me I would make a full recovery. It would just take a while. And it has taken a while. But I had to start learning how to do a lot of motor functions again. The cerebellum, the stroke with the cerebellum is right around the, the brainstem area. 
and it controls a lot of the, the body uh, functions and involuntary and voluntary muscle groups. And so that's what I had to start strengthening. And so I would go to therapy sessions uh, with group once a day. We would go individual therapy sessions trying to strengthen certain muscle groups, all the while trying to get better. Uh, the residual effects that I have now are, based, are uh, just low energy levels late in the afternoon and some um, eyesight issues uh, late in the day. Uh, so it's weakened the muscle that, that yes. allows you to manage that. Yes, yes. So, um, so you were in rehab for how long? I was in rehab for about a week and then um, was uh, sent home. And, but then I was there at home for a couple of days and then I had a reoccurrence of some of my symptoms. Went back into the hospital. They were diagnosed that there was some swelling around the initial point of the initial stroke which was causing pressure on some of the, the nerve endings. So I went back to the rehab hospital for another week where we did basically the same thing. <laughs> and they did put me through some cognitive skills tests, basically just trying to learn, retrain your body and your brain how to do things. And so after another week, went home, then was put on outpatient rehab. And in outpatient rehab, that was really interesting because they did some hippotherapy where I would go ride uh, on horses to try to strengthen I didn't know that. my core. And also did some therapy in pool, in the swim pools. But uh, the, the hippotherapy was really interesting because it was meant to try to regain your balance and control over your muscle groups. And when that's the thing that stands out the most to me about uh, the afterwards for you was that you had a severe balance issues. Severe. Um, it was it was almost uh, you know don't take this offensively but it was like watching an inebriated person try to try to walk and move and and you're totally functioning you're just your your body isn't responding the way that you wanted it to respond and it, and it seemed like you always kind of were trying to to feel your way around yes I I could not stand. Un- unaided for a, a significant length of time and it just took a while to strengthen those muscle groups retrain the brain and my therapy outpatient therapy was great in helping with that the hippotherapy where you're using horses to riding on horses that was very beneficial as well as the pool therapy and then after a certain number of months of outpatient therapy i was released went home still had some issues that i felt like were not getting better and so then i I sought out some individual therapy on my own, and that's whenever I found a therapist here in town that was a, a trainer and uh, was a former nurse and a former physical therapist. And I've been seeing her ever since, two days a week, and we work on core strength, we work on um, balance issues, and just trying to continue to work on those things that were that were damaged in the stroke. And so how long have you been doing that? I've been doing that uh, for um, six years. Wow. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a consistent and continuing recovery process. Yes. Uh, the rehabilitation continues even to today. Yes. Um, and uh, is never-ending. So what, it, what about nutrition-wise? So you, you've, you've talked a lot about the physical recovery. What did you do to, to, to continue to ensure that this would not happen again? Very good question. The main thing is control your blood pressure. Make sure you're on the right regimen of medication. And that took a while to figure out. 
what was the right dosage at the right time and when. And so a, a new concerted effort to make sure your blood pressure was under control. We all know that blood pressure will rise and fall throughout the day based on the daily activities, but we wanted to get average blood pressure reading. So that was the first thing. The second thing was is I went to a high blood pressure specialist. I was referred to a high blood pressure specialist in the Dallas area. Talked to that doctor and the doctor basically put me on a very restricted diet to, to reduce fats, salts, sodium in, in an effort to try to keep the blood pressure under control. So portion control, don't be overweight, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't want to develop diabetes because that is another risk factor for future strokes is mm -hmm. diabetes. So just an overall making sure you're just trying to do everything you can to um, live another day. Well, and um, I'll say that uh, the the lifestyle that that you've chosen to live in order to ensure your your continued uh, survival, I mean, realistically, it has made an impact on on everyone around you. Um, the way that uh, that your wife eats and and exercises has changed dramatically. The way that your your daughters and son-in-law and um, other friends of yours that you've helped to get onto this this correct uh, nutritional path, um, you know, it's it's made a big impact. And you'll see stroke patients out there that have been through the exact same kind of stroke in the same way who did not respond this way, who did not seek out the therapy. It was offered, not, not no reason that it couldn't have been done, um, but it was hard work. And, and hard work is what it takes to, to recover from some of this hard, hard work and discipline. Yes. Um, because there's, there's lots of things around to kind of, to get you off of, uh, off of your healthy eating habits, to, to keep you from going to the gym, um, all of that. And so where we're at today is, are you still, do you still take blood pressure medication? Yes, I do. And I also go to stroke recovery groups. I try to speak to as many people as I can to try to be a source of, uh, of hope and information and try to help people. And I'm glad that you've asked me to be on this program today. The, the thing I've been, uh, very educated about is that every individual that has a stroke recovers differently based on all of their risk factors, age, etc. And so my story is a story that I hope can help people, but I still just try to do everything I can in order to uh, just live a, a good lifestyle. And what I wanted to be, I didn't want to be known as there goes Judd White, uh, a stroke patient, I wanted to be just known as Judd White, a person. Well, and to everybody else, I mean, you know, they're looking from the outside in, and it is like, there's Judd, look at how good he did recovering from that stroke, and, and you're saying you'd rather not be seen that way. You'd rather just be seen as, here I am, back to normal. I'm just a Judd. <laughs> it, it, it's okay if they look at me and say, wow, you've done great, that's okay. But I just want to be normal, whatever that is. I just want to be a normal <laughs> person. And but I, I just want to live a normal life. This happened. It was a, a wake up call to pay attention to risk factors. Hopefully I've done that, and hopefully my story can help other people. But uh, it, I think everybody that happens something like this happens. You don't want to be conditioned. You're so conditioned to be a patient. You get tired of being a patient. 
and at some point you want to be a person and you've got to break out of that patient realm and start being a person and you have to live it's almost like having a victim mentality yes. if you let yourself succumb to that then there's there's no escape you can't you can't right. get better you right. can't do better and i have i have had excellent care i'm still getting excellent care i'm still under the care of a doctor and we're just uh just trying to do everything we can to uh, to get as much knowledge to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, and that's that's uh, what really counts is is educating yourself uh, with the with the ability to use the internet with uh, the the access to information that we have. By the time um, your grandchildren, my children are are grown, there there's almost no excuse to not know something. Uh, if you want to know about it, it's at your fingertips. You can search it in 10 seconds and know something about it. Now, granted, you may get inaccurate information that way, and you need to you know, check your facts, but uh, it's a world of information. It's something that it's, it is in such a way that it's never been that way before. We, uh, here, uh, here in this area, we have excellent care for, med- for medical care, but we also have excellent care for stroke. Uh, patients and one of the things I've been very impressed by when I go to these support groups some of these support group meetings will have doctors and physicians come in and and they'll speak to us and I'm just amazed along those lines of education I think the more education you get the better it also delves into the emotional side of the recovery process as well because that's equally a big part of the process recovering emotionally as well as physically and some of these support groups will talk to not only do the stroke survivor, but the caregiver as well, because in some situations, the caregiver can feel uh, as much stress or more having to deal with the situation. Well, and, and uh, being a part of, of your family and being around you for the last uh, 13, 14 years, something like that, <laughs> right. it's been a long time now. Um, you know, and I, I saw the impact it had on, on your family and, and all of us and, um, you know, we, we weren't the victims of it, but there's, you know, there's the emotional impact it has on you, which emotionally impacts everyone else. Yeah. And and there was some, some uh, guilt, uh, with that because you don't want to be the focal point. You don't, you want life to get back to as much a normal as you can. Right. But it is, it's the stroke impacted others around me, my, my family and loved ones. What I wanted to do was try to alleviate any fears of my family, not be a focal point, and try to get back to a way of life with as few as limitations as possible and live each day. Well, and and I think you've been successful in that. Um, I I no longer, you know, uh, come to your house and and see a, a stroke patient. I... I see Judd White, the same hmm. Judd White that I knew before, just healthier and skinnier, <laughs> and uh, and that's that's what I see. Um, so I think you've accomplished that goal. So what's a goal moving forward? What's what's the next goal? There's always something beyond. That good question. Uh, I guess the main goal there is to try to get back to as doing as many active things that I did before the stroke, and uh, I've done that. The other goal is to continue to stay healthy and then uh, push myself to within reason to do uh, different things, you know, whether it's uh, 
Skydiving? No skydiving. <laughs> Although that would be kind of fun. But, um, you know, maybe go, you know, snow skiing again, uh, water skiing again, uh, running a, a, a 5K, you know, things that uh, enjoy my grandchildren, <laughs> going on vacations, living life. And so this is the quality of life. And I know I'm fortunate in that I've been able to reclaim that quality of life uh, with a few limitations. But I know there's others that aren't as fortunate. And so my hope today is telling my story is that hopefully others can get some information. Don't give up wherever you're at within the stroke recovery process because you, you, you can decide how much you recover to a point. And I can't tell you you're going to fully recover, but what I can tell you is that you just got to try to recover as much as you can and you may not be able to recover as much as I did, but at least you can try to recover as much as possible. Well, and I think I think that's a good message for for everyone to take away. You know, if you are a stroke patient or or recovering now, you know, maybe you're listening to this at a hospital. I don't know. Uh, maybe you have a family member that's recovered from a stroke or is working on recovering from a stroke, or maybe you have a family member that's at risk for it or you're at risk for it. Um, you know, take these words. This is, uh, life is all about trying to learn the hard lessons the easy way. Um, and we very often choose the hard way and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe that's the best way to learn things. I don't know. And I can't under, I cannot overemphasize the, the role of the caregiver or caregivers here. That that's an important, those caregivers need to be educated as well about what they're going through emotionally and what their uh, loved one is going through emotionally in this recovery process. And it is a journey for all involved because the emotional side of a stroke recovery is almost as important, if not more important than the physical recovery. So they go hand in hand and uh, there's depression that can set in. You need to understand what that feels like and how you can deal with it. And there's medical professionals that can help stroke recovery groups. And I want to emphasize here, Judd, that uh, I feel like that uh, you know, my stroke was a difficult one to determine and diagnose, but the EMT community, the uh, firefighting community were, were great um, in helping me get to the hospital because, as we all know, the time frame on getting treatment for a stroke is, is is extremely important, and I was I was transported to the hospital where I could get the care I needed extremely quick. Absolutely, and and that's you know the basics are things you don't want to forget during a a stroke situation. There's a timeline for care, and if you miss that clock, if you miss miss that alarm, you miss that time. Uh, you you've put somebody's life at risk. You've put their future at risk. If if the the crew that that transported had spent more time on scene or if something had gone wrong on the way uh you know you could be telling a completely different story right now yes. and so it's important to just realize that you know the ultimate treatment for a stroke is is not in the back of that ambulance it's at the hospital and uh, uh a friend of mine a, a uh, another paramedic instructor always says that, you know, don't forget the M in mobile intensive care unit, which is what we call ambulances that operate with a paramedic, that M stands for mobile. 
Um, and that is our job is to be mobile and get people to definitive levels of care. And I, and I would say I was transported quickly. And in the support group, recovery groups that I've attended, I understand also that there's a timeline on when you can administer certain type of medications and when you can't, they right. can help in the stroke recovery process. And I think uh, in our area here, we have some highly, I've already mentioned, but I think we have some accredited stroke recovery centers here in this area. Yeah, the, uh, the, both the local uh, facilities, uh, big ERs here are stroke facilities. They're accredited stroke facilities, uh, which is, you know, that's a great resource to have in your area. So I would encourage you, if you don't know where the stroke facilities are near you, find out because that's the place where, where the difference is going to be made and it's it's good to know where those types of things are and what kind of resources are available to you. And I would say in my uh, educational process about strokes, the thing that is, seems to be emphasized over and over again is if you feel like you're having a sim- symptoms of a stroke, it's not the time to sit at home and just wait it out. It's the time to go to the emergency room or seek medical attention. Yeah, there there's... There's being tough and then there's being stupid. And if you think there's a possibility you're having a stroke or a heart attack or anything along those lines, it's just being stupid not to go get help. You're not going to be the one that diagnoses your own stroke. So, again, like Judd here said, if if you feel like you're experiencing signs or symptoms or you feel like a family member or friend is... The hospital is where you need to be. So call 911 or go to the ER. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, stroke is one of those things that we're scared of. In the EMS community, it and a heart attack are like the boogeyman. It gives everyone the creeps because we know how serious it is and how quickly it can lead to death. To have someone sitting next to me who went through it, made it out, and continues to improve is like finding uh, uh, the end of the rainbow. So I can't tell you the ways that I look up to, uh, to Judd White here, but he's been an example for me of what courage, love, fatherhood, being a husband, and uh, being a friend are supposed to be. So he's done things in his life that others could only dream of, and he continues to impress me. So Judd White, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much, uh, very much, uh, Judd. And I am just hopeful that my words... Uh, today could somehow help someone and just know that everybody recovers differently but just never give up hope and uh, I'm just I've been blessed that I've been able to recover to the degree even though I still the limitations and issues I still deal with uh, you know in in the big scheme of things are, are, are minor but they do there's things I need to still pay attention to but uh, Jed, thank you for your kind words, and uh, we're blessed that you're part of our family, and uh, thank you for uh, being a part of uh, our lives. Well, absolutely, and I'm, I'm happy to be. So we hope you've learned something valuable from this episode. Maybe it will help you, your family, or one of your patients. Maybe it'll just inspire you. But as always, knowledge is vital in EMS. It's life and death. We'll see you next time on EM Talk.